This is Alan Johnson, pastor of Old Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Duluth, Georgia. The Bible is God's Word. It describes itself as living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Therefore, any encounter with the Bible is a momentous thing because it never leaves us unchanged. My prayer for you as you hear this message is that the Holy Spirit will use it in your life to inform your mind, to feed your soul, and to help you grow in your faith in Christ. To the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 17. John chapter 3, verse 17. Hear the word of God. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Everybody knows John 3.16. Of course, Christians, having grown up in the church, having grown up in Sunday school, could could quote you John 3.16. Even people who don't go to church could probably, many of them, quote you John 3.16. And some people who may never have read the Bible or even attended church in their life may know the reference John 3.16, if only because they've seen it behind the goalposts at a football game. It's, of course, a famous verse for a reason. And I would argue if you know only one verse in the Bible, John 3.16 is certainly a superb verse to know because it's such a clear statement of the gospel. It is such a concise summary of the message of the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It says it all. It says what needs to be said. It's a concise and yet complete statement of the biblical message. Great verse. Not the verse I want to look at tonight. But I want to look at the most famous verse in the Bible. I want to look at the almost most famous verse in the Bible. John 3, 17. So close. Missed it by a hair. John 3.17. Because it's in the shadow of its better known predecessor, it's not as well known as it should be. And I want to correct that tonight. I want to take a look at this verse that actually is the foundation of John 3.16. You'll notice that verse 17 begins with the word for. Because we hear John 3.16, and then verse 17 says, For, or because, or for this reason, John 3.16 stands. And what follows serves in verse 17 as the rationale for John 3.16. So as we look at it, just one verse, very short, we want to look at it in terms of three particular facts. Fact number one, God did indeed send his Son into the world. Now, verse 17 states it negatively, for God did not send his son into the world for a certain purpose. But the fact is, of course, God did send his son into the world. That's what John 3.16 says. It tells us he sent his son into the world, and he came into the world through the miracle of the virgin conception. 
and subsequent birth. Of course, there's more to this than just a virgin birth. There is also the miracle of the incarnation, that the child that was born of that virgin conception was no ordinary human being, although in one sense he was as ordinary as you or I, but what makes him distinct is he was also God. He wasn't half man and half God. He was fully man, fully human, just like you, just like me, except without a sin nature. But he also was fully God. And Philippians 2 says he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. It does not mean that he in any way gave up his deity. But his deity was veiled as he took to himself, without ceasing to be God, a human body and a human nature. And that's, of course, what we celebrate at Christmas. The birth of the God-man. The birth of the only one who, on the one hand, could take our place. Bulls and goats and sheep and birds couldn't do it under the Old Testament sacrificial system. They pointed forward to the one who could. Another person. Someone like us, someone who is qualified to take our place. Someone sinless, so that he could die for the sins of another and not have to die like we do for our own sins, apart from the work of Christ for us. And so this verse does affirm, even though it states it negatively, it's negating a certain purpose, not the fact that God sent his son into the world, that he did so love the world that in his great mercy and compassion, he gave us his son, a savior. Fact number one, God sent his son into the world. Fact number two, God did not send his son into the world for the purpose of condemning the world. John 3, 17 very clearly says that. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus' mission, when he was born 2,000 years ago, when he lived out his life, when he carried out his ministry, was not a ministry of condemnation. Jesus did not spend his time looking at people saying, bad, bad, bad. That was the Pharisees, not Jesus. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn them. We see that in his teaching. Jesus describes in one of his parables a a son, we call him the prodigal son, who asked for his share of his inheritance And went off to a far country and blew his inheritance on wild and immoral living. And finally, he reaches a point where he just says, enough. You know, he's he's, he's feeding pigs as his job, and he's tempted to eat what he's feeding the pigs. His money's gone, therefore his friends are gone. The party has long since ended. Life has ceased to be fun. And he starts to think about his father's home, his father's family. And he's thinking about even how the servants in his father's home live. He says, you know, my servants, the servants of my father have plenty to eat. I think what I'll do is go back to my father and say, I don't deserve to be in your household again, but if you'll just take me back and make me one of your hired hands. You know what happens? The sun no sooner appears on the horizon than the father, who is looking for him, runs to him and meets him and hugs him. And the son starts up his speech, I'm not worthy to be part of your... And the father just cuts him off 
and says, quick, you know, go, go find the, 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 the calf. We need to celebrate because my son who was lost has come home. That's a picture of Christ. The Father is. That's a picture of God when in our sin we turn to Christ. Jesus didn't come to condemn. We see it in his words. The woman caught in adultery. And Jesus says, well, let him who is without sin throw the first stone. And one by one, they start to wander away. Jesus is just writing in the dirt. Never says what he wrote in the dirt, but the woman's accusers begin to wander away. And Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? Is anyone accusing you? She said, no. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We need to be careful. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that's, it doesn't mean that he didn't call sin, sin. Jesus didn't say everything's okay, you just do whatever you want to do. He called sin, sin. He said to the woman, go and sin no more. You need to leave this life of adultery. You need to trust in me, follow me. So Jesus didn't cease to call sin, sin, but his ministry was not one of condemnation. Unfortunately, all too many Christians and all too many churches fail to take Jesus' posture. They take, rather, a posture of condemnation. Ugh, can't believe how these people live. Can't believe the things that they do. What's wrong with them? And, and let's avoid them. And let's, let's cross to the other side of the street. Why, where does that come from? It arises out of some sense of self-righteousness, as if somehow I'm righteous, as if somehow I have no sin. That's where it comes from. As a Christian, it may come out of forgetfulness of just how lost we are in our sin apart from the grace of Christ toward us. Like Paul says, what do you have, Christian, that you didn't receive by the mercy and grace of God yourself? Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. And our posture should be like that of Jesus. Yes, there's sin around us. Yes, we might, might find that sin offensive or distasteful or difficult or discouraging, maybe even tempting. But our posture must not be that of condemnation. It was not that of Jesus. It doesn't mean we don't say this is wrong. It doesn't mean we don't call sin, sin. It doesn't mean we're not careless about dealing with sin in our own lives and in our own hearts. But it does mean that our face toward the world as God's people should be the same as that of Jesus toward those around him, a face of compassion, not condemnation. The, the Lord did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's fact number two. Fact number three, God did send his son into the world to save the world. Now, when we talk about being saved, we need to know what we're being saved from. Why did he come into the world? To save us from what? Well, as you look at the scriptures as a whole, you understand that Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is the just wrath of the holy God against our sin. That's, that's just reality of who God is. God is light, and in there's no darkness at all. God is holy. He cannot allow our sin to go unpunished. Forever came to save us from the penalty of sin, but he also came to save us from the power of sin. You see, Christ didn't just die so we might have fire insurance when we die. He came to save us from the power of sin in our lives so that if you belong to Christ, that same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. You died with him, to the power of sin. You've been raised with him to new life. And that life is at work in you. Dear friend, if you say you believe in Christ, 
And yet you have no interest in Christ or in the character of Christ or being like Christ. If you conversely have no hatred for your very sins that you otherwise would say put Jesus on the cross and that he died for. Are you really a Christian? Are you really trusting in Christ? Because if you are, you're not going to be perfect. But remember, Jesus died to save us from the power of sin in our lives. And so there's a desire more and more to put sins in our lives to death and more and more to live in a way that is Christ-like. But also the presence of sin. Jesus died to save us from the presence of sin. Now, we don't see that now. There's still sin in our own hearts, and there's certainly sin all around us and in one another. But that's the ultimate goal of why Christ came into the world, that we would be in a redeemed new heavens and new earth, a new universe where there isn't even any more sin. And we're, we're completely free from the presence of sin itself. No more sin within our own hearts. No more sin in the world around us. That's why Christ came. Thank God he came to save me and he came to save you. But he came to redeem a universe that had fallen into sin. It was under the curse of God. That's what he came to save us from. And, and positively, to save us to, to know him, to save us to be like him, and to save us to be with him, to put each of those in a positive way. That's what he came to do. That's what it means that he came to save all who would believe in him. And this was accomplished, of course, through his life and his death. Again, as Christians and as a church, that should be our posture to the world. Not condemnation, but offering the free grace of God in Christ Jesus for all who will receive it. For all who will come to Christ in faith, saying, Lord, I have no righteousness. I have no purity. I have no self-control. I have nothing. Lord Jesus, be my righteousness. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me by your word. You see, we've got the gospel. We've got good news that God receives all who come to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you need to know that that offer of salvation is not something to be accepted or rejected nonchalantly. Because this doesn't mean that no condemnation will ever occur. Jesus is simply saying, when I came into the world the first time, I didn't come on a mission of condemnation. I came on a mission of salvation. But notice what goes on, uh, what Jesus goes on to say in verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, this offer is not something to take lightly. Maybe take it, maybe not. Because the day is coming when it will be the day of condemnation for all who are not in Christ Jesus. The day when Christ comes a second time to receive his own to himself and sadly to judge all of those who already are condemned because they refused to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, well, Jesus coming again, it all seems so abstract. It all seems so unlikely. Well, the Bible says he's coming back again. And he came the first time, didn't he? That's why you're here. The Bible promised Jesus would come. And people waited a long time and wondered if he would ever come. And then one night in Bethlehem, he was born. The Bible says he is coming again. He did come. 
the first time. So we celebrate the birth of Christ. Why did he come into the world? Well, John 3, 17, the almost most famous verse in the Bible, tells us, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. Whatever your sin, how frequent, how deep, how long, Jesus does not come to you tonight to condemn you. He comes to save you, to offer you reconciliation with the God you were made to know, to offer you forgiveness for the guilt of your sin, to offer you cleansing from the stain of your sin. And so as the Bible says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the door open. Now is that invitation extended. What better time than Christmas to follow Christ? And if you are following him, what better time than Christmas to begin to follow him more wholeheartedly and more joyfully? And this Christmas, may the Lord bless you with a very merry Christmas. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that we celebrate Christ coming into the world on a mission of mercy. Mercy that we need. Grace that we need. Salvation, Lord, that we need. Father, we thank you for the good news of the Savior who came into the world, who loved us, who died and was raised for us. We pray it all in his name and for his glory. Amen.